Welcome to the Vital Dawn podcast for Monday, August 24th. S&P futures are rallying 23 points. That is about 70 basis points. The major European indices are trading up 1.7 to 2%. The strength is very broad in Europe. There are no areas suffering outright losses, although there is some relative underperformance in real estate and staples, while a lot of the big cyclical groups like energy, basic resources, chemicals are outperforming. Asia finished higher across the board, although the gains were not as spectacular as they were in Europe this morning. Uh, Japan and mainland China both um, finished up just slightly. So a couple of items to note today. I think the key driver of the rally has to do with COVID treatment optimism. After the White House came out last night and announced um, emergency use authorization on the part of the FDA for plasma treatments. Now, these are treatments uh, for people who have COVID or in the hospital. This is um, you know, not a particularly easy treatment to administer. Um, and then there was also an article in the FT yesterday uh, afternoon talking about how the White House could force emergency use authorization for the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine candidate before the election. Um, so I, you know, I don't think the market has really been spending a whole lot of time now for months focusing on the nuances of news, and I don't know why I would start today. But neither of these developments is really a particularly um, important piece of news in terms of the battle against COVID. And if anything, it could be very counterproductive as far as eroding public confidence in the metal community's battle against the pandemic. So if you recall, there's been a lot of controversy around plasma treatments. There was an article in the New York Times last week talking about how the FDA was not comfortable granting emergency youth author- authorization because of the paucity of data. There have not been a lot of the real extensive trials that the FDA likes to see before granting emergency youth authorization. They prefer to see more data. Trump came out on Saturday and tweeted something about how the deep state within the FDA is trying to undermine his administration. And then lo and behold, 24 hours later, the FDA grants emergency authorization for plasma plasma treatments. Um, You know, I think more significant would be if the EUA is forced on the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine before you have all the data in as far as safety and efficacy. You know, the FDA has put out a couple of weeks ago a white paper talking about the parameters and the thresholds that all the vaccines will need to surpass in order to obtain approval. So I think if you see the EUA get grant get placed on a lot of these treatments and vaccines before the data is out, um, you know, like I said, I don't think it's really going to be helpful in terms of battling the pandemic. The vaccine will be irrelevant if you are not having people go out and actually consuming it and taking it, and and that will lead to eventually herd immunity. Um, you know, I think if you have these vaccines get rushed out you know, there's going to be a lot of skepticism and you, we've seen this. So remember, Russia has a vaccine on the market. I don't think there's really a rush to kind of go out and consume that vaccine. China has been administering a vaccine for a couple of months um, to people on the front lines and at-risk segments of the population. Again, there's really no data around any of these treatments. And there's already a lot of skepticism about the pace with which this process is moving forward in terms of medicine. Um, so for the vaccines in particular, I think it'll be very important that there is a full set of data um, that trials are conducted in a very, um, you know, objective fashion and that the FDA, um, is fully comfortable with all the science around it. So, like I said, I really don't think the news on, on either the plasma or the possible granting of an EUA for the AstraZeneca candidate, um, is particularly meaningful in terms of battling the pandemic, but, you know, I appreciate the headlines and, you know, the, the therapeutic breakthrough quote unquote, um, and that obviously has stocks very optimistic today. 
Um, you know, we'll have to see how things unfold over the coming 20 over the, you know, as we head into the U.S. Open. But I would imagine that a lot of the, you know, epicenter stocks, the ones most sensitive to uh, the pandemic should see the most strength um, in the U.S. today. And if anything, you know, this could possibly undermine, um, you know, a lot of the super cap tech names, which have, are acting like safety, safe havens, utilities, et cetera. They could be undermined um, by this news. Um, away from COVID, there really was not much else as far as major news to talk about. Um, you did have the House pass its $25 billion U.S. Postal Service bill on Saturday. That was widely expected to pass. This will not even get taken up for a vote in the Senate. McConnell has rejected it outright. Um, there, you know, McConnell again is talking about a skinny bill that has been rejected outright by Pelosi in the House. So, you know, it's still very stalemated as far as stimulus talks. There's not any indications that the two sides are apparently talking. Mark Meadows, um, who is the White House Chief, Chief of Staff, him and Mnuchin have been kind of the key negotiators for Republicans, apparently tried to go to Pelosi's office on Saturday, um, was not even allowed in for a meeting. So, you know, it looks like that you will not see real substantive talks take place until at least after Labor Day. There is a broader budget deadline coming up on October 1st. So that will force a conversation around spending to some capacity. But again, the odds of nothing happening until after the election, at least, are rising, um, in particular because stocks have traded very well and the economic data also have been co- has been coming in relatively decently. So there's just not much pressure being placed on Congress. Um, and as we get past Labor Day, you obviously have a major election approaching in November, and that makes politicians generally, um, you know, very reluctant to to pass large controversial bills. So, um, you know, I think at this point in time, you sh- the odds probably are sliding um, for a big trillion and a half dollar, um, you know, piece of legislation. But, you know, obviously things can turn relatively quickly. Um, and that's essentially it in terms of major news. The coming week will be very busy. There are a lot of big events you have the Republican National Convention is kicking off today. Um, you know, like the DNC was, I don't think this is going to be particularly relevant for markets. Um, you know, I think Trump's strategy is to just saturate media with himself. So he'll be speaking on every night of the campaign. He has already conducted a, a slew of interviews with the media. He had one on Fox last night talking about his um, his priorities for a second term. He did mention China being the first priority. So again, I think when people sit back and look at you know, what's the best case scenario for stocks? Um, you obviously have tax risk with, with Biden, but I think you have huge trade risk with the second Trump term, um, which is why Biden plus a Senate GOP um, is probably the best case scenario for um, for stocks. But nevertheless, Trump gave an interview on Fox last night talking about, again, how China will be a key priority for a second term. Um, he, and like I said before, he'll be speaking on every night of this convention. And then his formal acceptance address is Thursday night from the White House. Um, you have a, um, a couple of other events who obviously have Powell on Thursday. So there's a ton of anticipation again for this upcoming Fed change. There's a, a, you know, a million preview articles every morning. There's a preview article about this Powell speech and the Fed policy shift. These speeches tend to be somewhat academic. So I don't know if it will be very explicit as far as um, Powell saying the Fed is um, guaranteed or definitely going to do X, Y, or Z. I think it's going to be more kind of a discussion about why shifting the inflation bias from a discrete 2% to an average 2%, how that could be helpful as far as spurring growth um, and providing accommodation. Um, and then you obviously, after the Jackson Hole speech, you have the Fed meeting coming up in September. So I know the minutes last Wednesday created a little bit of doubt as far as um, you know what the Fed will be doing over the coming months, but all of that has been erased, and you know there's still a ton of anticipation for that Fed address. So that's Thursday morning. 
um, at nine in uh, that's Thursday morning. And so that's obviously going to be very much in focus. You have a big U.S. inflation number on Friday. So remember, a lot of the July inflation numbers have been running hot. So people will be watching the PCE Friday very closely. And then you have a ton of earnings this week. Um, this is the peak week of the July and earnings season. So you have a lot. Of, again, it's all dominated by retail and uh, tech. I have extensive previews on everything that I sent around yesterday. And I have links to it in um, in the piece this morning. In terms of Monday specifically on the calendar, no major news scheduled. Um, obviously, like I said, the RNC kicks off. But like I said, I don't think that's going to be very relevant for stocks. And then you have Palo Alto Networks reports tonight. That's really kind of the only major report for today. And that is essentially everything for Monday. Thank you for listening.